When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real-life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. This is Rick Bakewell, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this next guest has professionally been a cinematographer for several years, but now getting into the 
writing and directing side of things. He's got a project coming out early 2024. It's called Oswald Delirium. Writer, director, Richard Bakewell. Doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, first and foremost, let's go into Roswell Delirium. So, where did this come from? <laughs> where we stand? What? Yeah, there's just so, you know, where, where did this project come from? And, you know, talk about putting it together. Sure. So, I did this documentary years ago called Before I Die. Uh, as a cancer documentary with kids who are like, you know, near the end and trying to do their bucket list. And there were a few kids in the documentary who were like pretty severe with cancer. And, you know, their parents did everything they could to keep the kids alive. And one kid beat cancer, cancer nine times. And I thought, you know, this mother has done everything she can to keep this kid alive and gave him the best treatment. But, you know, it didn't work out and he passed away. And I was like, what would a parent do to, to keep their child alive? Would they even give them to aliens? And then I, that was just a crazy idea I had. And then I just started to run with the idea. Um, and, you know, the in a lot of my research and writing the story, you know, I talked to interview a lot of people who had thought they'd been abducted by aliens and taken away to the spaceship over and over again. And you learn a lot of times that, what really is happening is that's their way of coping with some of the trauma in their lives. So I just really started to kind of put this idea together about, well, what if we take the idea of this magical place where area 51 used to be, and we call it space rock. And this is a place where you bring your loved ones who are dying to be given to the aliens. And, uh, you know, in, in the film, the idea is based about a mother and daughter who survived like a Soviet Union nuclear attack. There's like 12 dozen warheads that come through and try to wipe out the U.S. They survive and there's radiation poisoning and a little girl in the movie named Mayday Malone. She tries to contact all these aliens on the ham radios and gets a couple distress calls and tries to track them down. And it keeps taking her to space rock. But then she keeps getting sicker with the radiation and her mom has to like eventually bring her there to give to the aliens to save her because no one else can. And in, in the film, there's also this very uh, clinical state to it where the th therapist tries to help the older version of the child remember all the things that happened to her good and bad. It's there's all these things happening, all these layers at the same time. So. Well, with this, and forgive me if I misread because we know everything online is true, but... <laughs> You know, with this particular story, you turn back the clock, revisiting the 1980s from yep. the perspective of the mother-daughter, like you said, and it's after a nuclear disaster of U.S. and USSR nuclear attacks, give or take 1986. Mm -hmm. So how much history did you look into and research as far as when you're writing this fantasy drama as well? Well, you know, I did a lot of research, um, basically kind of going back with all of the times when the Soviets actually almost did deploy warheads um, and kind of use that as a, a talking point in the story. You know, there was this exercise called the Able Archer 83 drill, where the U.S. basically did a full on evacuation of the president to see how long it would take to get him out of the country in case the Soviets did attack. And, you know, it almost set off a 
the Cold War from not being cold anymore. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened. There was other instances where like the satellites moved and people and uh, the USSR thought that the U.S. were sending in warheads, but it was actually just the sun moving off the satellites. There's all these things uh, that I researched to kind of give it the credibility and the re and, and realism to the story to set it up in the beginning. And then also, you know, we reference a lot of things that were, you know, real in the 80s and happening. Like, you know, we talk about you know, there's a moment where, you know, the girl comes home and she realizes Harold's got a broken nose. And they reference, you know, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. There's all these real moments of history in the 80s. And it's kind of like, you know, we started the night of Dallas. So even though Dallas, where JR got shot, was like 1980 in the film, it starts in 86. And then we see Dallas and, you know, the little girl's watching him get shot. And that's how the film begins. And, you know, really to try to drive home the idea of the 80s and live in it also in a world where, um, you know, things are very similar to the, the COVID pandemic where, you know, you have all these things, you know, people are having radiation poisoning and they have this Cold War cough, almost like the, you know, the COVID flu. There's a lot of similarities and it's like people trying to survive through this time. But I did a lot of research and just to make it uh, feel real incredible, like this could have actually happened back in the 80s, even though it didn't you know well with that being said what was it like working with several folks who would be considered icons of the 80s anthony michael hall d wallace reginald van johnson sam jones you know lisa welcher excuse me uh you know choking from a sandwich i just had but what was it like <laughs> working from uh with some of these folks that people still clamor over to this day well i mean for me it was just like reliving my childhood i mean i i grew up watching flash gordon on a laser disc you know i had it i probably like watch it so much it started skipping because i loved that movie so much as a kid and as much as ted yes and as, <laughs> as much as you know he doesn't and ted you know with mark Wahlberg, you know who yes. also i worked with and not in this movie but other projects and um and it was just very surreal because I remember like uh, Sam was the first like 80s star that we attached. And, you know, I sent him the script and the other producer, Larissa, talked to him and worked out everything. And, you know, he wanted to talk on the phone and we talked for like an hour uh, and he just had all these ideas. And and he, you know, he kind of like helped me change a couple of things in the story that I thought were going to work. But then he's like, you know, why would I care about this person if they do this and i was like that's a good point i didn't think about that you know and he kind of helped me rework the script a little bit not even realizing he was doing that and uh just on set always making jokes always cracking up you know he loves working with the crew and uh you know whenever there was like a sound issue or something he would just start talking and I forget that you know we were filming i'm like sam let's get back to let's keep you in character you know and then he would just turn it on like that you know and uh you know I mean, there's so many people, you know, D Wallace, uh, we met at Starbucks, you know, for the first time after we got her all worked out for the movie and, you know, we're sitting there for three minutes and then she sees a homeless person walk in and hands her like money for a sandwich. And I'm like, that's people for you. That. Yeah. That, people don't do that though. Like there's only like people like D hardly exist anymore. And I'm like, wow, you just were so focused on this girl who looked, you know, like she was starving and you everybody else has looked away and here you are just right in on her and I'll be right back. And then hands were like $5. I'm like, wow, that's the kind of person that she is, you know? And, yeah. um, 
you know, and, and, you know, she was, she was great, very serious in her role as, uh, very emotionally demanding because, you know, she has a grandson in the film who's dying of the cough, trying to get him to space rock. And she has two very emotional scenes in the film. And, uh, this did a phenomenal job and like people watched it last week at the premiere and got people crying in the movie because it's so powerful. It's like, you know, I feel like we captured that, that ET essence with her again, you know, I feel really happy with her performance and, um, you know, Reggie was fun. He was not, um, he, he was not written to be likable in the movie. The character he's playing was be uh, supposed to be like a villain and a very just kind of like evil, bad, you know, um, almost like a diehard type villain, you know, you know, Hans Gruber type. But then when we got Reggie, he kind of made the character more likable and, you know, like he just, you just really love every second he's on screen. You know, he's so friendly and, you know, at the end, we played a joke with him where basically the little girl in the last take brings him Twinkies, you know, just to kind of mess with him a little bit, you know, a little diehard reference. And, you know, he couldn't stop laughing to that when he loved it. And, and you know, uh, Lisa was, you know, phenomenal. Um, just, I mean, she had, she's a, plays a teacher in the movie and has these long monologues, you know, and <laughs> they go on. She's explaining about, you know, because in the 80s, there was an incident where, you know, the Soviets blew up the Korean airliner, you know, and Cal 007. And so we referenced that in the movie because now the Cold War's happened and it's no longer cold. You know, airplanes can't drift off course anymore. They have to be within five miles of their, you know, their destination at all times. They can't go off course. Uh, and she talks about that. I mean, she just has these long, like two, three minute speeches sometimes and just, you know, spot on every time. And when I'm watching her, you know, and the, and the monitor in the classroom, it's like, as like, I'm just brought back to facts of life. It was just amazing to watch. You know, I just felt like I was back in the eighties and, you know, Michael was Michael and he was, you know, hundred percent of the time, just whatever we wanted, you know, he was there for, he's also a producer on the film. So he was there most days when we were filming and then, you know, his scenes were a little more serious. So on those days, there wasn't a lot of fun because there's a lot of uh, emotional elements to his scenes with the older version of the child actress, Firefly. So we kind of kept the set very calm and quiet on those days, you know. So, yeah. well, I'm sitting there looking in the background there and yeah. over your shoulder, you got a alien head. Is that a mask? <laughs> what is that going on there? It's a little alien mask I brought to the premiere last week. So it like lights up and flickers and stuff you know and a little joke thing i brought so with the premiere happening when mm -hmm. are we expecting has a date been announced for the release and how are we releasing this well right now you know we've had the film has been completed uh for the last few months and we kind of like delayed it because it strikes like we don't want to burn the premiere we wanted our celebrities to come out and our actors to really enjoy it and have a night to celebrate their hard work, you know, and um, we've had like 13 companies reach out to basically take it and distribute it. Uh, and we're still entertaining offers, but we're probably going to wait until like, after the new year to discuss when we're going to roll out release because we're doing the festival run as well. So I'm probably thinking not until May of next year or so. That's kind of like our, our estimated release time. So, well, you know, that's a good, uh, interesting point with it besides the festival run and all which people enjoy 
but you mentioned you had what 13 different people wanting to possibly distribute and mm -hmm. i don't care about numbers per se but what do people look at when you're talking about uh distribution deals and such when you have a project like this well, you know, a lot of times what, what they want is, uh, you know, there's a lot of what I've learned, there's a lot of different territories. So some people come along and they can only do like the U.S. territory. And we've had some who can do the international as a whole and then the domestic. And a lot of times, you know, there are companies who uh, just want you to take the deal, even though it's not that great. And then some some of the deals we've gotten are pretty good, but I'm like, well, I think we should wait just to get the buzz going a little bit harder until next year because I mean the trailer's been seen over a few million times by all the people who've really, you know, republished it again and on moviegasm and collider and movie web, like it's played a couple of million times. So there's definitely an interest in the film. And you know, I'm looking for the best deal. So that way it's like, well, we can go on all these platforms and not just fade away in the back pages and people can't find us because it's like I want it to be a mainstream delivery where it's like, oh, well, it's one of the top 10 you click on when you, you're scrolling through the, you know, the streamer. It's like a lot of times you go on Netflix and things come out and no one knows it's even on Netflix and it gets lost right away. So I don't want that to happen. So that's something that's, you know, we're trying to battle with, too, is like make sure it has a, the right home for this film. How about physical medium? Because obviously that's been a talk and I'm a fan of physical medium myself. Oh, I mean, uh, behind me is a wall of about 300 DVDs, you know, Blu-rays. <laughs> I see your collection. And to me, that's, that's it's, books. Oh, they, books. Oh I, thought, oh, I thought they were. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, there's, there's the, yep, there you go. There's okay. the one cabinet full. So nice. Okay. I'm working on more, but. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, for me, I'm a believer in having the hard copy. I hate like this. There's this new thing happening now where you have digital media that you paid for. And now they're saying, oh, guess what? Actually, we're getting rid of it. It's gone. Even though you pay 20 bucks for those that season, it's no longer available. Sorry. And there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. So I feel we will probably do a Blu-ray release on Amazon, uh, maybe like a, even a Blu-ray DVD combo. Um, definitely so people can own and have it forever and it's theirs to keep you know that's that's the goal i don't know if we'll you know it depends on the distributor will be in the stores but it might just be an amazon only for a while and it might just work its way elsewhere so we'll see how that all plays out but definitely there'll be a a physical format coming so awesome so how much like i said doing introduction that you done some cinematography so how much did you have that hat on when writing, but also your boots on the ground working on the project, directing and everything else? Well, for me with writing it, you know, having that, that cinematic eye helps me figure out how I want the shots to kind of evolve and how the camera should move, you know, when we should push in, you know, like maybe this is a shot where it's on steady cam and should be moving and maybe this is where the day we bring in a jib, you know, we had a jib out there on the airplane crash site, you know, I felt like it was very important when the girl gets abducted to really have this camera move a certain way as she's being taken up by the UFO. I really wanted all these, you know, camera movements to give it that sense of the heightened sense uh, of fear. And for me, you know, I had this great DP named Carter Ross who, 
I, I met like, you know, in the summer of 2022 and, you know, him and I just connected right away. And I knew like I could just give him my shot list, give him all, you know, the time that we had and say, here's, this is what we want. Here's the shots. Here's what we're going to do first. And then it's like, I didn't have to ever like worry about the camera department. I could just focus on the actors and getting the, you know, rehearsals down and helping them with their performance where there was things that I didn't like where we would adjust, you know? And so it was really helpful for me to have someone like him where I could just say, here's, you know, take the reins and I'm just going to like work with the actors and not even care about what's happening with the camera. So it's kind of nice for a change just to not be involved in that world. So make sure you check out the film when it does come out streaming, Blu-ray, all that stuff. But I'm curious to know biggest influences for you to get into doing what you do. Well, I mean, there were, when I was a kid, there were plenty, like I, my dad took me to see Star Wars. Um, that was, I think the first movie I remember seeing in the theater and I was so mad at him because we walked in and it was like we were early. So the end of the movie was on. So we saw the ending before the whole movie. And I was like, oh, my God, it's ruined. I know what's happened, you know, and uh, and we stayed and watched the whole thing again. And like movies like Star Wars, Back to the Future, E.T., Empire, you know, all those classics just really helped shape this idea of that's what I want to do. So I knew by like five or six that I wanted to make movies there was no doubt about it. And then, and with this film, when I was writing it, I was like, it, it didn't start off as an 80s movie, but it became an 80s movie. And I wanted to kind of like recapture that feel and the love for the 80s that people used to have for their movies. You know, and that's why, like, I had the star-studded cast from the 80s. because I want you to feel like you're watching an 80s film in the first half of the film where it's, there's a lot of nostalgia, a lot of things that people will pick up with references but then also it gets very serious towards the end and becomes more of a dramatic film at the second half. Um, and I tell people, it's kind of like, it's, the movie feels like Close Encounters meets Terms of Endearment. You know, there's there's two elements. There's like, there's the joy and there's there's some funny parts, nothing over the top, but like, then it gets very dark and serious and then it takes a twist, you know, but it's, it to me, it feels like you're watching an 80s movie like everyone, when I was watching them in the theater, they felt very warm and happy inside. You could just see them smiling. And then that's like, that's the joy that I got, like watching them just loving every second of their, you know, of their work. So. So final question, what's next uh, after we get through the holidays? Well, after what's next is we have some more screenings coming up of the film and uh, in Arizona and California. I think we're back in the man's Chinese theater in February uh, for another showing and you know we're just going to keep promoting the film doing the pre-promotion before we sign with the distributor uh shop it around you know keep looking and then also working on a new script kind of like a roswell spinoff following a different storyline of that universe but not with a lot of the same characters but a couple of the old characters come back in this one but it's a different storyline more of a survival walking dead style so and where can people find information on the screenings or the different uh, conventions it might be at? And finally, when things are up and rolling distribution-wise. Sure. There's two places they can go. They can go to our website, lightforcepictures.com. And there's a section for Roswell Delirium on there. 
Uh, they can just click on that and it has all the latest news and, and stuff. And there's also, they can go to uh, Instagram or Facebook and look up Roswell Delirium and it'll just tell everyone all the important information coming out, you know, any of the screenings, festivals we're in, any of the awards we won, any any potential news, you know, they can go Instagram or Facebook and just look us up and find everything they need right there. As I was wait, writing down that website, and yes, people, it's actually pen and paper I'm using, surprisingly. You know, not a tablet. So, Mr. Bakewell, thank you so much for the time. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.